For this, we are so grateful. We are so thankful, O oh God. And we, we are grateful that we could come together to worship you. That we could come together, O oh Father God, to acknowledge your goodness, your mercy, and your grace. We just want to give you thanks. We want to give you praise and, and thanks and the glory and the honor. In the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. Speak to our hearts. Speak through your word, God. For it's your word that brings life. It is your word that brings faith. And we give you glory and honor for what you have done in advance, oh God. In the name of your son, Jesus Christ, we pray. And all God's people say amen, amen. and amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Look around you to your right, to your left, because believe it or not, you may not realize it, but you are sitting beside Campion. Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't think some of you have quite got that yet, but hopefully sometime throughout the morning it's going to sink in uh, that you are sitting beside Campion's. Amen? I'm, I'm deeply grateful, thankful for God for what he's done. I want to continue to encourage us uh, to continue to, to lift up the Howell family, continue to pray for Miss Becky, continue to love on her, continue to encourage her every time. Uh, they come to mind, you begin to thank God and pray for them. Amen? And shower them with as much love as possible. Amen? Because God has done a great thing in and through their lives, and we're just so grateful. And I know sometimes uh, this time of year uh, could be uh, difficult, just, just reflecting and thinking back of all the beautiful times uh, that they've shared uh, uh, with Pastor Tim and all of us likewise. So I thank God for that. Hallelujah? I just wanted to put a plug in there this afternoon. Uh, Brother Craig, I thank God for, for his vision in your heart. Amen? And being obedient. I'm just so thankful that we have folks here. I remember, I think it was a couple of months, Elated and Sister Nicole's heart also. And just the great work that you guys are obeying God and doing that. I know you may not hear it often, but it is awesome. It is awesome to see folks uh, just hearing the voice of God and obeying and walking out there. Amen? Amen. Because he's committed uh, uh, to his word. He's committed to what he's called you to do. And anytime you step out in faith, I uh, expect great things. Amen? Amen? So I thank God for you. I really do. I thank God for, for what he's doing in your lives. Well, I told you uh, a couple Sundays ago, it's Christmas time. And it is uh, one of, well, no, it is uh, my most favorite time of year. Hallelujah. Miss <laughs> Kelly, I love you and I thank God for you. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. So I'm trusting God and uh, I, I wanted to, to share something. I asked God, Father, well, uh, everybody's heard the Christmas story before, right? Amen. I, I'm sure that there may be a few who've never... Uh, uh, gone to church before, but I think, and I hope everyone here has heard the story before. Yeah. And I was seeking God's face. I said, Father, I just don't want to rehearse the Christmas story. Okay. Amen? I just don't want to, because if I could bring a storybook up here or, or the Bible and we could rehearse the story, and it's great. I think it needs to be told over and over again, especially yeah. little kids. Tell them yeah. about the story. Tell them about the, the birth of our Lord and Savior. Because it's nothing like it. Uh, but I wanted to go a little further beyond this. That at this time, 
we would really understand because it, it's one thing to celebrate uh, because everyone is doing it. Right. And it's something else to celebrate with deep purpose. Yes. You understand? Yes. Like uh, the Clemson fans did a couple of weeks back. And I'm not, oh, come on. And somebody said this weekend coming up. And like other things in your life, you know, uh, it's one thing to celebrate something on TV that everyone is doing. Uh, but it is, it is, when there's a personal touch, when you really understand your stake in this celebration. Amen? Amen. It kind of does something to you. And I wanted to share what God uh, laid in my heart. And uh, if, if it were to give him a title, which I did, it would be uh, Extravagant Love and Mercy. Extravagant love and mercy. Or you could use the word twice. Extravagant love and extravagant mercy. Uh, what does this word extravagant mean? It means uh, not, I mean, not lacking restraint in spending or using resources. Not lacking restraint in spending, whether it's of your time or whatever, money, or your resources. And I want to let you know this whole plan of Christ coming here to earth was and is an extravagant plan. That God says, I need you to understand how important, how great my love is. John 3.16, for God so loved the world, that he gave, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. Amen. So we see there the foundation of all of this. Yes. Amen? The foundation, the reason for Christ's coming is on the foundation of love. That we are loved so greatly. There's another scripture that says, uh, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and anyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. So we see everything that he did wrapped up, tied up, in and on love. That is why it is very important, every single thing in the Bible, everything that God did, ever did, will ever did, or will ever do, it is built on love. Amen. That is why the house of God should always be a place where his love is demonstrated. Amen? Amen? Amen. It is a sad day in any church yes. when you can enter in and not feel the love of God. Why? If his love isn't there, he isn't there. Amen? We could have the greatest programs. We could have the greatest everything. But without the love of God, we've got nothing. Amen? Amen? So, with this extravagant love and mercy, I wanted us to dig into this because I'm sure, like, like me, you hear the stories all the time. There are folks out there with a thousand reasons why we don't need to be celebrating Christmas. Right? I've heard everything. Some people say, well, Christ wasn't even born on December 25th. 
To that, my response is, well, I celebrate my birthday on September the 25th, but if you want to celebrate it on November the 1st, have at it. You want to come up to me in January and say, Dex, I want to celebrate, go right ahead. Amen? So the date doesn't matter, the fact that he was born. That's what matters. Amen? And then there's some folks that says, well, it's become all commercialized. Which it is. The greatest commercial time of the year is doing Christmas time. And folks say, well, we're not going to celebrate because it's all commercialized. Well, on the same aspect, if you want to throw celebrations for a birthday or whatever, it does not diminish the fact of it's about the birth of Christ. And to say that I will not celebrate him because this person over here has started doing it the wrong way, it's a disservice to God. So he's sitting there and decided like, you need to stop celebrating me because folks are going crazy all over with lights and everything else? No way. We should be the ones celebrating the greatest. We, hallelujah. Christians should be going all out. Why? Because we celebrate with purpose. We understand what we're doing. Amen? Yes. So I want us to look at this for a little bit. Let us start with Luke chapter 1. Now, the account of Christ's birth is found in Matthew and in Luke. I was studying both of them, looking at there, trying to figure out uh, what angle you want me to come at this, Father. What do you want to say? Where do you want to speak to us from? And I, I, I want to look at Luke. And we're going to start at actually verse 26. We're going to read, uh, do, do quite a lot of reading just to set uh, the foundation. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto the city of Galilee, named Nazareth, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Now, ladies, wouldn't it be such a great thing if you all got visited by angels and got told this this week? At least the blessed thou art highly favored part. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind, or she pondered, what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, fear not. Here's that word again we looked at several weeks back. Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father, David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom. There shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, how shall this be? Seeing I know not a man. And the angel answered and said unto her, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee. And the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore, also, that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Yes. 
Wow. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she had also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. Amen. I wanted to pause there for a second. With God, nothing shall be impossible. Amen. Now, why is that so powerful? Here the angel is telling her, you were chosen. And then he comes right in in the middle of that statement and says, I need you to remember this, Mary. With God, nothing shall be impossible. Amen. Right? We're talking about this magnificent plan to bring down the creator into this world. And he's talking to a young lady. And in many a culture today would be still considered a child. Now, as we read, I want you to look at the response because I'm going to put a twist in this and show you something that the Holy Spirit showed me. Now, let us read on. And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed. So we see Mary's attitude, right? The angel told her, With God, nothing shall be impossible. And Mary says, You know, she was troubled, she was perplexed. But then she says, be it unto me. Whatever God wants, I'm fine with it. Amen. Right? Amen. The angel left right from there. Now, I want us to jump back to, uh, I think it's verse 20. I don't think I even gave them up there. Go back to verse, uh, verse 20. Now, we read there, the angel mentioned to Mary about Elizabeth, right? He says, you know what? Your cousin Elizabeth, she's also pregnant. And Mary was like, okay. The angel, before coming to Mary, he had just visited with Zacharias and Elizabeth. He kind of gave them similar news, except it wasn't about Christ. It was about John the Baptist, the forerunner. And he told Zechariah, look, the first thing he says, your prayer was heard. Hallelujah. Apparently, Zechariah and Elizabeth were praying for a son because it says she was barren. It also said they were both well up in age. I'm sure they weren't praying for a child after they were up in age. Apparently, they were praying when they were young, years and years ago. And here it is, after all this time, the angel comes and he says, your prayer has been heard. Right off the bat, first thing. So now, well, that's verse, verse 19. I'm sorry. And the angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel. You know what? Let's jump back to verse 18. You got to see this. And Zacharias said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? He's like, how am I going to know? For I am old 
For I am an old man, and my wife well stricken in years. That word whereby translated who, what, why. So the angel comes to him and tells him all this good news, and he's like, who, what, where, why, what is going on? Keep in mind now, Mary was just as confused or troubled as Zechariah was. Watch this. Let's, let's go to the next one. And the angel answering said unto him, the angel now identified himself, I am Gabriel that stand in the presence of God. I need you to understand who I am. There's going to be times when things confront you in life where you're going to have to speak to your own self. Not even get into the situation because you got to build up your self-confidence. Before you step to the situation and remind the situation, I am Frank, I am Bobby, I am whoever, and I am a child of the living God. Amen? You've got to remember when you face tough situations to identify yourself. Right? Because when you remember who you are, it reminds you of what you are capable of. You understand? You've got to constantly live with this memory of who you are. Every situation. So now, not that the angel needed to you know, tell him anything, but he introduced him. He says, I stand in the presence of God. And am, or and I am, sent to speak unto thee and to show thee these glad tidings. Let's read on. Woo! Next verse. And behold, thou shalt be dumb and not able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed. Why? Because thou believest not my words which shall be fulfilled in their season. Now, are you pondering in your mind, this is kind of harsh. I mean, the fellow just said, who, what, what, me, what? what? And the angel said, you know what, you're going to be dumb. Until everything I just spoke to you is fulfilled. Think back when we started. Think back messages and messages ago about the power, the creative power of the word of God which we possess. Oh, hallelujah. This is mind-blowing. That the angel would recognize the creative power in Zechariah and says, you know what? I see beyond this. Yes, just like as we're going to see as we jump forward to how Mary believed, Zechariah's soul was different. He was troubled, but even in his heart, he was like, you know what? I don't think this is going to go down this way. It's not going to happen. And the angel had to say, you know what? Because I recognized the creative power in his word, I am talking about the plan to redeem redemption, to change it all. And this one man, in his creative power, could mess that plan up. So why don't I just fix this right now and you can't speak? Woo! 
that God had to stop him. Now, good news, bad news. The bad news is, yes, he could stop the plan. Good news for us, we have got to understand the creative and the power in our own words. We've been saying it time and time again. You have got to allow the Spirit of God inside of you to begin to speak words of life. Come on, to speak into your situation. This was so powerful that the angel took his, took his speech away. On the very next, when we see him visit uh, Mary, what were her words after the angels finished talking? God, be it unto me so. Whatever you say, I am with it. Amen? <laughs> so the moral in the story, if you don't want to get them, speak the word of God. Now here's something else. Two weeks ago, we looked at being in agreement with God, right? Here is something the Holy Spirit showed me that was so powerful. Agreement is so powerful. You know, we looked at that, that God created us, right? And we said that we have dominion. God gave the earth to mankind. He says, you have the dominion on there. As I was studying this this morning, the Spirit of God showed me, he says, you know something? God will not do anything on this earth until and unless he finds a person that he could get an agreement with. I don't think some of y'all understand that. I don't, God is not going to do anything on this earth until and unless he finds a person to be in agreement with. Why? Because he gave us the authority. And God will not go back on his word. So when he went to Zechariah, he said, I, I see you want to believe, but there's a problem with this agreement right here. And if you can't come in agreement and speak this, I got to take it until you see what I have spoken come to pass. How many of us have thwarted God's plans for our life because we can't bring our mouths into agreement with what God is doing? And we walk around in the wilderness like the children of Israel wondering, God, why? God, why such is happening in my life? God, why are we not seeing such and such happen here? God, why I can't see this in my family? And God is like, don't you understand? I am waiting to come in agreement with you on this, but you can't stop. I can't agree with something that is not in me. I am life. And when you open your mouth, all I am seeing is death. Therefore, I can't come in agreement with that. One of the greatest prayers you could ever pray, God, give me the faith to come in agreement with you. That is why that scripture translated, have faith in God, have the faith of God. Come in agreement with him. See, God, I want to have impossible faith. Why? We just read there, with God, nothing shall be Impossible. And you live by that. You let your speech, you let your character, you let your personality take on that of God. 
You know, I was talking to someone this week, had a little situation. And it had, a, it had the possibility of getting ugly. You know, I listen to folks a lot, and I've seen people characterize their own selves. And this person was saying, you know, whenever I get upset, I, I, I can't control myself. And I said, you know what? You've been, you've been telling yourself all this all these years. You're drinking your own Kool-Aid all this time. And I looked this person square in the face, and I said, you've got the power to stop it. I can't change it. You can change your situation. Stop telling yourself these things. We tell ourselves, man, you know when I get angry, it takes 20 people to hold me down. Okay, all right. Good luck with that. My wife knows when I get mad, such and such and such. My kids know when I get upset, not to bother daddy. No. And you wonder why folks see you as Scrooge McGruff? You've been declaring it all this time and believing it. There's another scripture, the power of one. You have got to ask God, God, I want to come in Whatever. If it's in your word, I want to align myself with it. That you show us how powerful this agreement is that even in the birth of Christ on this earth, it took agreement. What do you think would have happened if when he went to Mary, she said, you know what? I'll pass on that one. I'm engaged to this fine-looking young man. Yeah, Hallelujah. Find somebody else. What do you think would have happened? You would have had to keep going until he finds somebody. Why? Because God was not going to find some young lady someplace and drug her. Have the Son of God, whether you want to or not. No. And you know what? Here's something else. If after centuries and centuries he couldn't find a single female, he would have still been searching. Or to find a different way. Why? Because I told you before, while a while a while ago, there are certain laws that God Himself has put in notion. He has put it in place, and one of those things is we have the dominion, and to work on this earth, He works in and through people. So now, where did we stop? The first stop, verse thirty-seven, with God. Nothing shall be impossible. Verse 38, we see Mary's response. Verse 39. And Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste unto the city of Judah. Girl was excited. And entered into the house of Zacharias and saluted Elizabeth. She spoke to her. How are you doing? And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. Woo! Filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, folks, this is the foundational, I'm telling you, I'm just giving you a preview. There's 
a couple of months ago, the Spirit of God began dealing with me about the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to say too much more, but it is just absolutely phenomenal that we understand who the Holy Spirit is. Amen? The Spirit of God isn't moving in many churches today, for one, because we have no idea who he is. Folks are saying stuff like, I caught the Holy Spirit like he's a coal or something. You know? She caught it. It? It's not an it, it's a person. I love you, Miss Kelly. But it is important that we understand. Now the Bible says she was filled with the Holy Spirit right there when the two connected. Woo! We talk about agreement. You feel agreement going on there? John the Baptist, this baby, the Spirit of God, all, everybody together. It's like when things line up with agreement and the Word of God and the Holy Spirit, things happen, folks. The devil can't stop it. No one can. There's not a force on earth that could stop you when you begin to walk in communion and connection with the Spirit of God. And she spake out with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed or blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence is this to me, that the mother of, of my Lord should come to me? For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Woo! Leaping babies and whatnot. And blessed is she that believed. Blessed is she that what? Believe. For there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. And Mary said, my soul doth magnify the Lord. And the spirit had rejoiced in God my Savior. For he had regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty had done to me great things, and holy is his name. Now watch this. And his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. Now we talk about extravagant love and mercy. That God's love for us is without restraint. Wow. How many of you at one point or another, I got to say one point or another because we are different stages in life. Some of us are in that point right now. In your life, when you are absolutely head over heels in love with somebody. Brother John said, oh yeah. For some of you, I might have to say, think back. For some of you, it might be presently, like myself. Where you are absolutely in love with someone. I remember Fred Hammond sang a song a while back. It says, my heart depends on you. It says, like, like a banker depends on money. 
like true lovers depend on phone calls, like the tide needs the moon, my heart depends on you. It has become aware to me that God feels that way about us. Could you imagine that the greatest being is completely, totally in love with you? That without restraint, when you look at the generations from Adam to Abram and all of that, that from the time that happened, he's been working on a plan just to get back at you and me. Just to get back in communion and fellowship and agreement. That he would put up this elaborate plan based on love. Not only that. Why? Because if you're like I am, there's times in your life when you know you are no good. Doesn't matter what suits we wear, tie we wear. How fancy your dress is, what kind of house you're living, how nice your car is. There's times when you know you don't deserve it. In fact, every single day you wake up in the morning, you know you don't deserve the love of God. I don't. But he says, I have created a fail-proof plan just so I can be close to you again. We think about the good old by and by and in heaven. I am talking about right here on earth. God says, I'm not waiting for heaven. I want to enjoy this relationship with you right here, right now. Our young people are dying. Folks, marriages are being destroyed. Why? Because we are searching for that kind of a love. And God says, where do you think you got that appetite for love from? I made you. I have called you the apple of my eye. The crown of my creation. And I've given you the dominion here. Now, two more sets of reason, and we're going to call it a day. Psalms 130, verse 3, 4, and 7. If thou, Lord, shouldest mark iniquities... Oh, Lord, who shall stand? Meaning, if God start writing down how many times we've messed up, David says, who's going to be able to stand in his presence? Who? The next time somebody hurts you and you want to have a running tab, remember the scripture. Husbands, the next time your wife hurts you and you want to, well, back last week when I told, remember the scripture. Wives, the next time you want to hold a grudge against him, remember the scripture. Children, brothers, sister, teammates, workmates, who shall stand? Verse 4, be there is forgiveness, but there is forgiveness with thee that thou mayest 
be feared or respected. Verse 7. Now watch this. Let Israel hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is mercy. And with him is plenteous redemption. That is what Christ coming to earth is all about. What does it mean to redeem? To pay the price or the penalty for the sin. It's like you getting arrested for a whole long line of stuff that every single one of them you are guilty of. And someone coming in and say, I want to serve the entire sentence. Whether it's life or death, I want to pay it all to just so you could walk out. Not just walking out saying you were guilty, now you're free, but walking out as if it never You know, when you understand this birth of Christ, it should make you be full of such love and forgiveness. I'm still amazed when I run into folks who are Christians, who are believers, who are walking around with such grudges. And you could recite verbatim something that happened to you 30 years ago. And you know what he did? And she did? And she didn't speak to me. The nerve of her. You're holding it right there. God is saying, don't you know I demonstrated such love to you? That you are now supposed to be my representative. I am looking at you as if you never, ever messed up. That is the kind of plan I derived. Now, Exodus 25. A few years ago, the Holy Spirit showed me this. And it was just amazing to me about love and mercy. Now, look how powerful mercy is. And thou shalt make two cherubims of gold. This is the directions he gave the children of Israel about the Ark of the Covenant, right? He says, two cherubims of gold of beaten work shalt thou make them in the two ends of the mercy seat. What kind of seat? Mercy, mercy seat. All right, let's go to the next verse. And make one cherub on the one end and the other cherub on the other end, even to the mercy seat shall ye make the cherubims on the two ends thereof. All right? And the cherubims shall stretch forth their wings on high, covering the mercy seat. With their wings and their faces shall look one to another towards the mercy seat, shall the faces of the cherubims be. And thou shalt put the mercy seat above the ark. (laughs) What was in the ark again? The presence of God, the laws. And he says, I want you to build this thing called the mercy seat. Put it on top. And he says, in the ark, in the ark, shalt thou put the testimony that I shall give thee. And there I will meet with thee, and I will commune with thee from above where? The mercy seat. From between the two cherubims, which are upon the ark of the testimony, all of all things which I will give thee in commandment unto the children of Israel. Now, we can stop right there. God says, 
on this mercy seat. I want you to put it on the ark and the commandments and the laws you're going to put in there right beneath it. What was that significance of? He says, the Holy Spirit began to feed me. He says, I want you to understand that's the same thing that the children of Israel, many of them didn't understand, is that every single commandment I gave, every single law, every single statute, there was no way for them to fulfill it completely without my mercy. And even at their very best. Even at their very best, they all deserve to be destroyed completely. But for my mercy. I listened to a message years ago, and I heard a preacher say something. He, he said, God had to wipe out one generation so he could get another generation to use that generation to take them to the promised land. One were hard-headed and all this kind of stuff, and I had to destroy them. But I began studying the word of God. And you know what? God told Moses about the new generation. He says, I need you to understand something. You guys aren't coming in here because of what you've done or because of how good. Y'all are terrible, just like them. And he says, I need to destroy all of you also. But for my mercy and my great name. That's what he told me. And you know what? That theme is still sounding out loud today, folks. That it is because of the extravagant love and mercy of God we are here today. So as you encounter this week, as you're in the mall or wherever, or that terrible driver cuts you off, or you're in the hustle and the bustle of traffic, that you remember that but for the extravagant love of God and his mercy, that you don't, you don't even deserve to be here. The next time you see that person on the street that is dressed terribly, or the next time you see that young lady or that young man, and you're tempted to say, you know what, God, I tell you what, remember, but for the mercy of God, that none of us deserve to be here. And you go on out there and demonstrate such deep, profound love. Amen? It's not going to come accidentally. You don't accidentally love somebody. Love is a verb. It takes a conscious effort. It says, I will love you despite of your color, despite of your background, despite of where you went to school, despite of who your mama was, your daddy is, or whoever. I will love you. Despite of what you've done for me or what you could ever do for me, I will love you. I will demonstrate that love because you know what? When you understand love, you will begin to understand the miraculous power of God. And you will see things happen in your life that otherwise you were wondering for years, how and why? When you begin to look at things through the love of God because everything hinges on love. Nothing works without love. Faith, trust, none of it works Stand with me. Let's give God some praise. Yeah. Hallelujah.